Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Srividya Sridharan. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by VP and Principal Analyst Barbie Maddy to discuss Forrester's 2023 planning guide for B2B marketing executives and the budgeting decisions that will best set them up for success. Welcome, Barbie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, as a B2B marketing executive, we've all been here before in the midst of a potential economic downturn, making budgeting decisions, weighing options. But is there something different about this moment in time that executives should be paying attention to as they're in the midst of planning and budgeting? Well, that's a great question. And we started uh, by by just always deferring back to what our executive priorities are. So we've identified what CMOs and marketing leaders must do to run the business. And so keeping that in mind and planning for 2023, we started with a hypothesis. And the hypothesis that we were were setting out to prove or disprove was that um, because of this prolonged, unpredictable global economy, uh, people uh, might be forced into making a decision that satisfies the expectations of now and budget cuts now and just doing things now and sacrificing all the work that's been done to date, as well as everything that that is tracked, you know, you can gain traction from going forward. So the hypothesis that we we started with when we went into planning is that our our customers, our marketing executives, they're going to ha- be be subject to unprecedented budget scrutiny and justification. They're going to have to account for every penny for for what they want to spend and why and what results can be expected. Um, so that's kind of the premise for what we were setting out to prove is that hypothesis that that led our planning guide. What's unique is that there isn't any room to experiment this year. You have to go back to what you know works. Um, and if you don't know, that was the approach that we took when we came out with our planning guidelines, because if you don't have the data, uh, you don't have confidence in the data that you have, you know, we, as a forester, we have data. So we defaulted to what does the data tell us how companies ended up able to grow in these past two years? What have they done? Where did they invest? What did they put their money towards? So Barbie, that's a, that's a tough message, right? I mean, there's not much room for error. Uh, there's not much buffer. You know, given that backdrop, you know, one of the phrases that I loved in the planning guide was essentially what we are recommending to B2B CMOs is spend money to make money. And just can you dig into that a little bit, you know, given the backdrop, um, you know, how uh, that's going to be a tough, tough pill to swallow. So give us a little bit of context there. We're saying spend money to make money, but we're saying we are know where you should spend it. And so what we did is we looked at our data and we looked at all companies that have more than a thousand employees. And we fig- we just kind of lumped that as a enterprise companies. Uh, and then what we did within that subset of the data, we divided that into companies that were flat to declining for the past two years in annual revenue 
And then we compared it to the, the other end of the spectrum from a bookend perspective. And we compared flat to declining companies to companies that actually managed to grow their annual revenue greater than 20% over the past two years. So Barbie, so we looked at high growth companies, we looked at, you know, enterprises, we looked at kind of the track record of, you know, what, what they have invested in traditionally and why, you know, they, they were high growth companies in the last two years. Can you dig a little bit into which are the areas that um, CMOs should be spending strategically this year, given uh, what we've historically seen where they have been spending? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And just to set to level set on on kind of the budget hierarchy that we look at, we can account for how every corporation tracks their budget. So we kind of did, you know, the law of averages. And so marketing expense as a percentage of revenue is the, the highest level within there. Forrester looks at data across how uh, marketing uh, leaders are investing in programs, personnel, technology, and outsourcing. And then nested under programs, which is a, one of the key points and recommendations that we're making to our executive clients this year is that within that program budget of reputation, demand, enablement, engagement, and operations, we're saying you have to strive for balance across those program families because Traditionally, marketers have been over-indexing in the demand category, and there needs to be more of a balance across uh, the, the other reputation, demand, enablement, engagement, and operations. So within that hierarchy, what we, what we looked at is how did flat to declining companies uh, allocate what they what they put towards uh, marketing as a percentage of revenue, and then what did uh, high growth companies do? So from a budgetary perspective, um, we know from the data, it validates the spend money to make money paradox that we're saying, because high growth companies, over half of them, 51%, invested 6.1 to 9% of marketing as an expensive revenue. Um, so I get calls on budget all the time. I tend to work with the more nascent marketing organizations. So they're just fighting to go from 2% to 3% marketing as a percentage of revenue. Um, and then I work on the other end of the spectrum where people are like, clients, customers are, well, I, I'm hearing 12 to 15% is right. Well, okay, let's follow what the high growth companies are, not over budget, not under budget, and just fall in the middle with that somewhere between 6.1 to 9% of revenue marketing as, uh, as a percentage of revenue for your budget for 2023. And so within the program families, I think you were getting to, you know, what are the investment areas within the program family itself? So from a program perspective, um, what we're what we're seeing is um, high growth companies within a couple of points of, of uh, plus or minus reputation budget is going up. Uh, the enablement budget is going up, which is how you equip your sellers. And then the, the most significant increase that we're seeing is with the engagement bu bu budget. And what, we're, what we say, what we mean by when we say engagement budget, that's the budget allocated towards post-sale customer engagement. And so the, the companies that were able to thrive uh, during uh, the past couple of years, they, they, they knew that two years ago, that post-sale customer engagement was critical for their success. And what they 
the data is showing that they're going to continue to increase budget in that engagement piece. And then the flat to declining companies are realized that they have neglected it too long and it's now a problem. So they're also investing in, in, in engagement as well because they, they, they didn't do it sooner. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is you mentioned rep- reputation. I imagine that includes focus on brand, you know, which is a bit of a counterintuitive uh, thing, right? Where this that there is always a temptation to pull back on sort of brand initiatives uh, in a in a tight environment. So, can you give a little bit of color around why? Why are we seeing that continue? Brand is becoming so important to companies these days because of the. Uh, decision power that customers have. Um, And not only is it customer related, but it's employee related as well. So people are only going to go work for companies that align with their values. Customers are only going to buy from companies that align with their their values. A purpose-driven brand, which is the, the second most important priority to high growth companies for the following year, a purpose-driven brand is going to help connect the, the brand to the demand efforts uh, that are that are being uh, executed. Also helpful in a tight labor market, right? You know, with your retention and uh, acquisition efforts too. So just interesting that that's coming to the fore when we when we think about marketing planning and for twenty three. It's so interconnected, and it all ties back to being truly obsessed with your customers. So. Um, We have the data that I'm talking to today is our 2022 B2B marketing survey data. Um, We have customer obsession data uh, that that validates the same things that I'm saying. We have brand purpose data that we, I mean, all of it is coming together. And um, don't be surprised if this isn't one of our predictions for next year. Absolutely. So you've given, uh, you know, B2B CMOs and marketing executives something to chew on in terms of where to invest, balancing out kind of the program uh, budget across, you know, reputation and engagement. What are some of the challenges that you anticipate them facing while they're investing in those areas? You know, whether they're internal, you know, getting people on board, whether they're external forces, what are some of those challenges that you think they might face? Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I do want to back up a little bit and just mention what the three most important priorities are for high growth companies. They are to address changing buying behaviors. Said another way, that's how you tie all of the program families together through an integrated campaign approach. The second most important priority I mentioned earlier, which is the implement a purpose-driven brand. And then the third most important priority is focusing on post-sale customer engagement. Um, so the way we ask our survey question is, what are what priorities are most important to you in support of the company strategy from a marketing perspective? And those three were the top three. Um, and then we say, well, what's going to uh, be a challenge for, for you to make that happen? And so um, a challenge related to how uh, high growth companies plan to address changing buying behaviors is, their their brand perception does not reflect their desired corporate identity. So we're not saying go out and do a bunch of brand refreshes or anything like that. We're saying just use that mindset of a purpose-driven brand to make sure that how 
your employees and you feel about your company is reflected on the outside and what you say about your company as well. And just to present the counterpoint, that's the number one biggest challenge for high growth companies. That doesn't even show up in the top five for flat to declining companies because they're just not even there yet. They're more worried about brand awareness than perception. Yeah, and one of the areas we we wrote about in the planning guide is also kind of um, uh, data management and customer data, uh, you know, sourcing from from various sources. This is this is a key challenge. Is that something that you know you're seeing in your client conversations where? You know, to do all of that planning, to do all of that measurement, um, you know, all of that rests in in good data. So what are you hearing there in terms of um, investments in the customer data space? That was actually one of our top recommendations in our planning guide. It's at, it's worth every penny, every resource, every effort to wrangle and normalize all of your customer data. So you have a single view of the customer. Um, we're also on the tech side of the house seeing a lot of uptick in CDP platforms, customer data platforms. So, you know, for for next year, CMOs, your best friend for 2023 is your head of marketing ops. They're going to help you navigate through this spend money to make money paradox with confidence. Well, and let's dig in a little bit deeper on the, the tech investment front, right? You, me- you mentioned, you know, potentially CDP if you don't have that or how how we structure data and kind of have a single view of the customer, but I'm assuming there may be other technology investments to, um, you know, continue firms and, and leaders on their growth path. Rather than just recommending a tool to answer your question, Jen, I would love to refer people back to, um, this, uh, notion of, There's six essential technologies that every company has to have in place in order for you to have a revenue revenue technology engine or a technology revenue engine. Um, and, And they're not platforms or tools or specific brand names, but they're capabilities. So yeah, there's there's six essential technologies that all companies need to make sure they have in place before they go and start investigating any other technology purchases for 2023. Um, the, the six essential technologies are you have to have a Salesforce automation layer, that is your bottom layer, that is your source of truth. Um, laddering up to the next level, you have sales intelligence and marketing analytics. None of these have to be dedicated tools, um, but you have to have the capabilities or the functionality to, be, to do that task. Um, then you have sales, uh, engagement, how sellers are engaging with the content that's being produced, more efficiency and performance. And then, uh, the fifth layer spans, um, across, uh, uh, marketing automation. So you have marketing automation as your orchestration tool, as well as your delivery mechanism. And then the sixth essential technology is, um, some sort of content platform, not platform technology. Um, so then you it's served it. So, so those six, if those are whole, then you would want to go and figure out the next technology to purchase once those are in place. So what you're really seeing, quite kind of going back to where we started on the room for experimentation when it comes to tech is actually quite limited. So now is not the time to get attracted by the new shiny object in the market. I would say 
buy the tech that supports how your company plans to grow. And it's is supported by an outcome focused approach to selecting technology. There is a Forrester report that's available called the three secrets to designing a revenue engine tech stack that aligns to how your company plans to grow. Um, and so that's one of those do not stop, get press, do not pass go, do not collect $200 if you don't have these six essential technologies in place. Because it doesn't, when you pick the technology and then back into the business requirements, well, not only does it perpetuate tech sprawl, but it puts the tech in charge of how you run your company. And, and that's, that's not the optimal way to address tech. Mm-hmm. So essentially a much more targeted um, uh, view of you know tech selection at this point to really co- support the core initiatives at this point in time. Yeah, let's look at the business requirements. Like we're saying focus on post-sale customer engagement. So start with doing an audit. What do you have in place to, do, to drive post-sale customer engagement? You know, have you completed the onboarding process properly? So focus on the non, the, the manual for lack of a better term, processes and then see where you can apply automation to drive that. That's actually one of our other recommendations is adopt digital approaches to continue to improve uh, everybody's experiences. When I say everybody, I mean your employees, your customers, your partners, um, all the experiences that can be uh, simplified through a digital approach that's where it's worth spending your time to to look at the processes and see what tech would help solve uh, for making that better. I think we come to the fun part now. What are we telling them not to do? Um, what are we telling B2B CMOs and marketing executives to um, cut spending on or divest? We're not saying divest, so to speak, but what we're really trying to drive home is across all of the program family budget, right? reputation, demand, enablement, engagement, and operations. Across those five budget buckets within your program budget, the demand bucket can't be the highest anymore. So we're saying divest, but not necessarily divesting in demand gen efforts, because that would be horrible advice. Um, But what we're saying is look at the money you're spending towards demand, but make sure that you're, you're shifting the focus towards an opportunity management system rather than focusing on individual lead acquisition. Um, that's our big, one of our big recommendations for, for customers. And you're gonna need your, your ops leader and your demand leader and your customer engagement leader and all of the other leaders in order to do that. So the, the, just uh, to reinforce the point, it's all about balance and balancing the budget across the program families. So you don't have large spikes in brand and then nothing in demand. Um, you don't have large spikes in operations, but nothing in enablement. Um, so it's it's a constant reminder to balance your budget across the program families and begin that transition from the net new lead acquisition to how do you manage opportunities um, and it, it benefits marketing leaders to start using that language anyway, because uh, sales uses opportunities in their language. So it's it facilitates a, a much better conversation, which drives better alignment. Um, another area where we are um, making sure people uh, pay attention to is um, making sure that there's go-to-market strategy in place. 
And when you're doing uh, regionalization and you're doing field marketing outside, you know, from from a global perspective, you can you have the opportunity to reduce waste when you're localizing if you're following a, a singular go to market approach from the from the from the onset. I just want to go back to the point about um buying groups and opportunity management and just sort of the shift to lead versus opportunity and and what that entails and so i guess a, a piece of this we're talking obviously very specifically to the marketing executive but doing your planning in conjunction with your core counterparts seems to be so key here right um I may be stating of something so obvious. However, operating in silos is kind of easy to do. But when you're talking about changing how you work and opportunity management and things of that nature, it's just it, the criticality of connecting with your sales leader seems, you know, we should probably underline that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a really good point, Jen, because um, for the most part, uh, this is somewhat of a, a generalization, but people listening to this will, they'll go, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> but typically, marketing is seen as this branch that's just sitting in a silo and expected to drive pipeline. And what we're trying to do with this shift to opportunity management and aligning with your your other functional leaders on the product and the sales side, the revenue engine and getting that all aligned. So what we're saying is that um, marketing is a legitimate business partner. They're not some siloed entity that just drives pipeline for sales. And that's kind of the first mental hurdle that the executive team has to get over. And that's why I referenced earlier um, that the CMO's new best friend for 2023 is going to be their ops leader because they will come to the table with the data that makes it inarguable for people to say, oh, no, just go drive pipeline and leads. But once there's a general acknowledgement that, hey, no one person makes a B2B purchase, you're always selling B2B to more than one person, unless you have a very low price point and it's transactional, but you are always selling to a group of people and just shifting from individuals to buying groups. That's a really good alignment exercise across marketing and sales as well. Then aligning it to the needs. Now we're talking about opportunities and we're using the same language that sales is using when we talk, uh, when we shift over to the opportunity management piece. So if I were to force your hand, Barbie, you could choose the most important priority for 2023 for, for B2B marketing executives and, and leaders or something to tackle first. Where Where's your head at? My guidance is let's follow the leaders. We have this incredibly insightful data that trends for over over two years. And we know what companies that have managed to grow over 20% annual revenue have done. So as a starting point, let's just see where you are in regards to achieving those priorities and figure out how they can incorporate into the plans that you already have. It's just, a, that's number one, the number one thing. Thanks for that guidance and advice, and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. 
If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.